sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting when the evening comes, watching the ships roll in. Then I'll watch them roll away again. I'm sitting in the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. I'm sitting in the dock of the bay, wasting time. <laughs> That's a Thank classic. You. Nobody's done that one. I haven't heard that in a while. Otis, I'm trying to think Otis of what. Redding. Was, yeah, was it was it in the movie The Big Chill? I don't recall I, The Big Chill. It's okay. too long ago. It's too, uh, 1982 or something like that. But it's just like. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Otis Redding. You can't go wrong with any of those classic tunes, man. It's all I listen to is 60s, like uh, Motown. So yeah. I thought it was appropriate. There's a lot of history behind all those tracks, right? How they came about and how they was all produced. And then still today, 2022, we're listening to it and enjoying it. I can't listen to new music that much. <laughs> Paul, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you making some time on a Saturday morning. I know you're a busy gentleman. And we met through Jeremy from Fix It. Yeah. And uh, he, he spoke highly of you and, and it definitely insisted. And then you reached out and we got talking and here we are. We're going to talk construction. We're going to talk about your business. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. But um, uh, let me just get some deets out here. So how do you pronounce the last name? Gansman. Gansman. So Paul Gansman from Kitchen Fix, and uh, you've been doing it for 10 years, www.kitchenfix.ca, Paul at kitchenfix.ca, and you're on Instagram. Yeah. I am. What is it? Kitchen? Kitchen Fix. Kitchen Fix, right? At cool. Kitchen Fix. So we're going to talk, I know off mic we were just chatting a little bit about uh, the digital age, I guess, because we're relatively the same age. How old are you? How young are you? 60. You're 63, well, actually. I was going to say that we're both 50, man. <laughs> I'm 50, so good for you, man. I'm old. Looking, no, you're looking great, man. We were actually talking just off mic before we got started how you don't necessarily make the list. You don't get onto the whole motivation, I guess, thing. You 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 live for the, the construction day today and this week, and, and you're enjoying it. And we also talked a little bit about vehicles, but you've got a gambit of stuff that you want to talk about today. I was just going to talk about those things that I think are unique in my business. It is not construction necessarily. We only do repairs and service calls, and we fix other contractors' mistakes. No other contractors make mistakes. Uh, well, we see a lot. <laughs> How did you get into the business? Why? Okay, so you started in construction. What was the turning point for you to get into specific maintenance and repair and things like that? I used to do much bigger jobs. And then I found that uh, I was waiting for money. I was waiting 30 days. I was waiting 60 days. And uh, I didn't like that. Sometimes I was owed $100,000, $200,000 at a time. And when they're owed that much money, you can't start another job. No. You have no money to buy material for the next job. And you're stressed. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, you have to, when you finally get that money, it's not even a relief because you owe all that money to somebody else. I wasn't looking for something, but every time I did a smaller job, I found the customer much more satisfied, easy to make them happy. Because I, I discovered that small jobs, no matter how much you charge, if you come in, you do a job quickly, you did what you promised, you leave, the customer's much happier that way. Were you thriving on, because I got the same sense from Jeremy, where it was that go in, what's the problem, here's my solution, I solved it, happy client move on to the next one. Is it that Thrive, like that kind of, that's what you were going um, after? Well, somehow over the last few years, we were able to get 300 Homestars reviews, all 10 out of 10s, one or 200 Google reviews, all 10 out of 10s. Were you asking clients to do that? Or were they I just... always ask, every client. Okay. 
when the job is finished, I decide, is this a client I should ask or not ask? Sometimes the client is happy, but I'm not happy with the job. Like it wasn't as perfect as I wanted it. Do you share that with the client? No. No, you just I keep just, it internal. I just say the, the client was ecstatic, but I'm not happy with the job. I wanted it perfect. And for some reason, because I'm working with something existing, I couldn't make it as perfect as I want. Like the customer will say, that's a perfect color match. And I'm looking at it and I go, that's horrible to me. <laughs> but the customer is happy. They say it's perfect. Great, it's perfect. That's then all you I'll send hear. A, And sometimes I'm just not happy. It didn't work as perfectly as I want. And I don't send a review only because I wasn't happy. They would still write a review. But if you don't ask, you're not getting them. The oh. customer's just not writing. A happy customer's not writing a review. Only an unhappy customer will write a review. Yeah. And so uh, do I have any negative reviews? I have one or two. Those are for customers only that I quoted. They were angry about the quote, but not so about the work. You didn't do the work. No. But they, you, you have a right to write a review no matter what. So they write it's a, a review. It's a little unfair, no? Uh, very, but you have to be prepared for negative reviews. If you have all positives, it looks a little bit fake. Like after I had 100 positives, no negatives, I'm thinking this looks ridiculous, like it's all fake. No, maybe the first two you have your friend write for you because you needed to start off at the beginning. Built it. But you have to, negative customers are going to write a review, but when I gave a quote... They just thought it was outrageous. And uh, my quotes are never low. But outrageous, it's like, sure, compared to Ikea, it is outrageous. But making something custom is very expensive, a lot more expensive than people are prepared. Cost, it's like building your car by going to the parts department in a car dealer yeah. and building your car out of parts. <laughs> it's not going to cost just a little bit more. Yeah. It's going to cost five times more. In all fairness, with these review kind of things, shouldn't there be two categories where the person did the work and the person didn't do the work, they just quoted it. So if you want to leave a review, you leave it on that side. When they write the review, it's clear that they were only angry at the, the quote. At the quote. And they wrote, this person's a criminal. Do not deal with them. Beware. But that's taking it personally. That's yeah, taking that's what, it to a personal level where... To, dealing to say, with the public. There's all sorts of people out a there. A digital public these days yeah, where everyone can hide, People right? are very brave when it comes to... They'll never say things in person, but they write things... Uh, on they write things, but yeah, uh, yeah, on yeah. the internet, but the, or they write you by text. You'll give them a quote of five hundred dollars. They'll say, "How about a hundred? And nobody in person would say that. It's just so unreasonable. Yeah. But uh, they're very brave when they're on. They're very brave when they're on the internet. Of course. Do you ever go back and confront or discuss? Not. It's really. not worth it. I it, don't ever argue with them. I, I tell some people like to give a response to each and every positive or negative, I just say thank you for the quote, no matter what. I don't, I don't want to engage them. I don't want to make a big story. I'm not big on words. So I don't like to write too much or I just say thank you and that's it. Maybe if it's negative, I might write just thank you. It might irritate them more, <laughs> but I don't like to, I'm not going to engage with them. It's not worth it to have a fight over the internet. You know, do you know James Blunt, the singer? Yes. Yeah. So I actually just recently found out that he engages with a lot of negative tweets about him and his music. But I look at those those reviews or those retweets or the answering of those tweets as the fuse in the bomb. He's actually making light of it, not being sarcastic or uh, insulting. He's just actually being a, another fan re representing what that person said. And I look at it like he's defusing that bomb. Which is an interesting way of doing it because but people want to fight. We live in like a big city with lots of people. Yeah. And it's it's so much easier just to ignore that person and just go on to the next. I exactly. have lots of like lots of customers. We do two two service calls a day, three, sometimes four. After a year, that's 
in the thousands. Yeah. And I don't need, I'll just find another customer and just, I don't need, there's no reason I need to engage that person. But sometimes I speak to my friends who would like to get more reviews or other people in the business. And I tell them, what do they do when they get a negative review? I said, just write, if, if you want to really engage them, just say, you know, there are sometimes there are customers that are very hard to please. And they're always going to be unhappy, and th you are that customer. And people will understand that, that they understand, oh, yeah, there are people like that that you'll never make happy. Yeah, it's true. What, what is your service area? Like, how far do you go west, east, north? We go far. Oh, like yeah? I'll go to Oshawa in the east, which is... It's a good hour from the core. Yeah, and then I'll go to Burlington or Hamilton in I the west. Same thing, about an hour, yeah. so you're better... But we try and schedule all our calls either on our route, so it makes sense... Or we'll do it all one area. So one day we'll do uh, the West End of Toronto. One day we'll group and do all the East End of Toronto. For some reason, there's a lot of work in the West End of Toronto. And it could have to do with how our uh, Google Maps and Google My Businesses is done. We have a, a registered location here where I, used to, where I have an office or used to have an office. And then you get a lot of calls because Google tries to give the Google search the most relevant when a person does a Google search, they try Google tries to find the most relevant business closest to where they are. Yeah. So if you're in in this area in Oakville, uh, if um, they see that there's a business register in Oakville that matches the description, they try and feed that way. And for some reason, I get a lot of calls here. It's the keywords thing is what I've been taught with Google is that you got to be really specific with your keywords on your searches. So when people actually type in something, you're not grouped into a bunch of possibilities for the them. Keyword. It's like repair kitchen cabinets, repair kitchen drawers, uh, broken kitchen cabinets. Those are all mine. I'm yeah. first all the time. First, second, third, fourth. And also, nobody else would want to do this. No. If somebody wants to do this, I say try it. It is not easy. Yeah. Because you can afford to go only once. You have to have all the parts with you. And you have to look at their photo. I quote from the photo. And I go once to the location. And I, ha and I have to fix it with what I brought. Not with what's sitting in the store or what's in my at home or in my shop. I have to fix it with what I brought. I'm, I'm not going to go back. And very rarely do I go back. What are some of the biggest problems? Because like, I know that when you get to a certain age of cabinetry, people will want to demolish it before they repair it because they want to change it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of cabinetry is built well that it could last longer. So in a condo, we have like a... I don't know how other cities are or other countries, but here our condos are particularly shitty. <laughs> so for uh, lack of a that's a great and, word actually. and i think that it is it's a conspiracy between the builder and the buyer because the builder is saying to the buyer i know i'm giving you shit and the buyer is saying i know i'm getting shit but the value is going to go up over one year so i can sell this shit to somebody else <laughs> and uh i think everybody agrees they know that they're getting garbage but they're still buying it on a new condo or anything built in the last 10 years or yeah. maybe longer. And when you go there, it could be broken the day they move in. So sometimes people call me after 30 days. They've moved in, lived in the condo only 30 days and brand it's falling new, apart. Brand new. Yes. Doors are falling off. Everything is crooked. And uh, I'll tell them, but you have a warranty for one year from the builder. I said, yeah, but the builder's never going to come and fix this. We try. He doesn't come. Just do it properly. And so I'll go in and align all the doors or make the drawers or even change them. And sometimes they might spend a thousand or even more, but they want it done right. They get it done. Yeah. But if you go take a look at a condo built 20 years ago, like some areas of the city, St. Lawrence Market, the first area I think where condos were built, much better, 
much more durable, better material. These builders who like the, the kitchen guy who's building these kitchens on these new condos, I think he's only getting $2,500 a kitchen, maybe yeah. less. Yeah. And so he says, I can't build a kitchen for $2,500. But the builder says, look, if you don't build a kitchen for $2,500, I have another guy who's willing to build a kitchen for that. There price. always will be. He says, so I'll build it for that. And what he does is he cuts, he doesn't cut corners. He buys the cheapest thing he can find. So instead of buying the European made hinges, he found something else that's 10 cents less a hinge. It's only 10 cents. It's volume though, 300 but, units per building. Yes, but yeah. per unit, he might only be saving $30, maybe 50, but for him, that's really important because then he's maybe saving on other things and material and everything. And he, the appliances could be like, he promised stainless steel appliances, but when I went there and took a look at them, they were already discontinued. They haven't been made for three years, but he didn't care. He's still giving a warranty for one year, but he found some stainless steel. He promised stainless steel. He's giving stainless steel. But I looked at the model online. You couldn't find it anymore. It was already discontinued. It's just, that's the only way he can do it for that price. So I can't blame the builder of the kitchen or even it's not good material. And I have, they, if some people are a little demanding, uh, an investor doesn't care. He doesn't even do sometimes the walkthrough. No. Like an investor, I've an heard overseas of those. investor. They have a, a salesperson who just walks around with a clipboard and as long as everything is Yeah, so meeting, the, an investor doesn't care. He'll done. rent it no matter what. Yeah. But then uh, there's a few people that will have a list of 300 things wrong. And those are the people, like the builder will fix the people who complain the most. And some people just don't have it. Some, not everybody is like as much of a complainer. And they just... They won't go. But that twenty five hundred that he's getting the kitchen for the builder, they're not selling the kitchen for twenty five hundred to the. No, but it's to, included in the price. It's all included in the price, right. right? They just bury it, right? So I just say, you know, for people who do not pay for upgrades, never buy an upgrade. It's if not worth you, it. No, just take the kitchen they give you for free as part of the unit, and if you're going to live there, throw it in the garbage and buy a new one. It'll be cheaper. Just the little upgrades they charge you. Just to say I want fancier drawers will cost you more than another kitchen. Yeah. But at that point, you're already too late because they've already ordered it. You need to get in there. You need to start a whole no, consulting let them move, side. No, let them close, move yeah. in, own it, and then throw it away. But okay. not everybody wants to do that. It just feels very wasteful. You get a lot of clients that you come and see, and all of a sudden they want to carry that conversation about all the many things that are wrong with what I purchased and want to get your professional insight on it? or I think they know that. They know Everybody knows that they're buying a country today is not made very well. Yeah. I don't know about the outside construction. I think the structure might be fine. It's, it's like, I don't think it's going to come crumbling down. I just think that the quality of all the materials is whatever they could find cheapest. It's designed just to fail sooner than you're supposed to. But I guess the turnaround on condos is insane. It has to be insane, right? They... Uh, I don't know. It just I think they just need to get them built as cheaply as possible. Yeah. In a housing development, they're getting a lot more money. Houses are a million, more than a million. The houses seem to be slightly better. The quality of everything. I don't go into many new houses, and uh, I, it seems like if it's if it's condo work, it's brand new ones. You're working with your son, or yes? Okay, so it's we just work a, together. Two of you guys, and that's it. And that's two in the truck. Sometimes he goes separately, and I go separately. Sometimes we go together. We sometimes I stay at the truck. He's working inside. 
he sends me some messages, cut this, cut this, because we're, we're building something. We actually fabricate right on site. So in our, in our truck, we have everything to fabricate on site what they need. Need a new drawer, I'll build it right on the site. I'm not co coming to measure and coming back again. You're going to lose money like that. Yeah. So I looked at the photo, saw what they need. I bring everything with me in the truck. I bring a second alternative, but the first one doesn't work. And I work outside. Sometimes we cut in the basement of the condo. We bring a vacuum. We clean up. Or sometimes I drive down the street, find an empty lot, even if it's winter. We cut outside. I fabricate it. I take it upstairs. And we finish like that. If it's a house and we're working in the driveway, it's a lot easier. You can go in and out many times in yeah. a condo. It's a little trickier. It takes time. During uh, COVID was very difficult. Elevators they wouldn't were, let you. Okay. Well, yeah. elevators were one person. Some, some buildings were one person per elevator. Yeah. Some were two. Now they're up to three. But some of those big buildings are very busy. I got to ask you, Paul. So you've seen all kinds of different hardware. Who's got some of the best that you think? Um, so... There's more than one. I use only one brand. I use Bloom. It's made in Austria. Bloom is but great. There's also Silici made in Italy. Italy. Good. Yes. Uh, Grass, also made in Austria. Some, for some reason I don't understand. They're right next door to each other in Austria, but they're competing. I don't know why. Siblings? <laughs> uh, probably in the past. But uh, when a customer will say, I have the hardware already, I just want you to come and install it. And I say, if it's one of these three brands, I'll install it. But if it's another brand, I'll come. But I'm offering you no warranty. Because I'm charging a service call to come no matter what. And then I'm charging for, let's say, for the supply of the material, but it's not just a the supply. There's an installation cost associated with this supply. I'm just charging a flat rate just to come and show up and show up my face. But that doesn't include anything except the truck and the people ready to do the work. I've quoted the job in advance, so the person knows the price in advance before I get there. And if I get there and I find out that there's more work than I originally anticipated, or it's going to be more difficult or something unforeseen, then I tell them before I even start, it's going to cost this, a new price, but it's also a fixed price. I told them in advance. And if they want me to continue, I say, fine. If they want me to leave, that's fine too. I give them the option. I think in 10 years, it happened once. When I got there, it was unforeseen. But other than that, I've always quoted in advance uh, before I get there as a flat rate, and I stick with that price. Even if it doesn't always work out for me. Usually it does. I try and quote kind of what it would be the worst case scenario for this job. And if it works out a little better, it's a little better. I guess the majority of people are just so incredibly happy that there's a person in here with knowledge and skill to take care of the problem because their own resources that are not doing that. They have either they've tried in advance. They went to the big box store. They got advice from one of the people working in the big box store, which I do not recommend. <laughs> it's probably worse than trying to figure it out for yourself. They've tried. They can't do it. They can try a handyman. And I said, good luck. If you want to try a handyman to do it, you can try one of those, um, those apps like TaskRabbit or um, there's a couple of other apps similar to that that uh, you can So call. what does TaskRabbit do? You can actually find somebody here? You or can go through the app. You can say, I need somebody to fix my, and then fix my kitchen. And then uh, they'll send that to a bunch of people. The first person who, who replies gets the job. And they'll be like guys driving their trucks with handyman. He's got a bunch of electrical tools, a bunch of plumbing tools. And he'll somehow, 
he'll put some putty, he'll screw something back on, but it's not the proper way I'll do it. Yeah. Like I, the fixes that I do are forever. And so some people are disappointed because they want me to fix something like a particle board drawer that's fallen to a million pieces and they want me to fix it. I'm going to replace it. I'm not going to fix that because I don't consider that a proper fix. Like that's not a long-term fix. I never want to come back. So even if your kitchen is 20 years old, the drawer that I just fixed for you, it's going to last forever. I'm not going to do some fix that's going to last a year. You'll come back and fix the other drawer, the next no, drawer. No, I want to fix. I'm, and many times now, we have after 10 years, we have repeat customers. They yeah. fixed one, they come back and do another one. If they want to do only one, I go and only do that one. I don't want, I never upsell the work. I never tell them, uh, you need this and you need this. I, they show me what they want, and that's what I do. If next month they call me again for something else, I'm not there to inspect their whole kitchen. I don't think people want to be upsold. They'd rather pay again the second time. Have you back? Yeah, but yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to look for work. We got plenty, and I'd rather just. I'd rather do less work than more work. I love that you've got this all set up where it's a system. Like it's just ABC all the way to the end. And I get the sense that coming from construction. It was a different kind of system, but there was a number of problems attached to that system versus what was that mindset like for you going from construction to fixing things? So if you have really high standards and want to do really good work, let's say you're going to do a kitchen for somebody. You might have to go back many times to make it perfect. Like you might have to go back 10 times, 20 times. And even if you're charging the customer a fixed price for that job, there comes a time near the end the customer is just sick of, of seeing you. Like, uh, they just say, I just want you to leave here. Just get out of here. I'm sick of looking at you anymore. Even though it's like, I'm coming back because I wasn't happy. I want it to be perfect. They want you just out of there. And I didn't like that feeling because... I just couldn't do it the way I wanted. Like I wanted to work slowly and get it done right. It doesn't work. It didn't work that way for me. And so then when I discovered these smaller jobs, I could work really intently for really short spurts of time, like an hour, really working intently and get the job perfect. And then the customer would be happy. And it was better for me. I can't work eight hours really intently. I don't have that. I can't concentrate for that long. Maybe I have ADD. No, Maybe it's un- undiagnosed. No. But I can't work for a long period of time really accurately. There are some people that, like, they claim they phone me and they say, "I'm a, I have I'm have really uh, I'm really specific. I'm a type one personality." They they, they tell start me, dissecting that whole thing. They, they tell th- me that really in advance. They say I'm a type one personality, and I really want this. It's I, I want this fixed and. I get there to do a small adjustment and it's like, everything is crooked. They're not a type one, whatever that means, whatever type one personality. They're not a type one personality. They, the thing they show me is there's, there's 10 other things much worse than that, that I wouldn't be able to live with. (laughs) But this one thing that bothers them, uh, something a little out of adjustment or something just not working right. And I fix that one thing, but I'm not going to point out that those these other things are much worse because it doesn't bother them. It's not your, it's actually not your place to do that because it doesn't bother them. Exactly. I only, and, and sometimes, uh, people call me with a giant list. Like it'll be 30 items on the list. I say, wait a minute. I'm, it's too much. You pick the top three that bother you. I'll fix those. I'm not going to fix all these things because 
it, each thing has a price to it. And when you start adding those things together, it starts getting very expensive. Could be thousands, like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. And I don't want to, I don't think that their kitchen warrants spending that kind of money. I said, just pick the three worst things. The drawers falling apart? Okay, we'll fix all those. You'll be very happy after that. You'll like your kitchen again. But I never, I don't even want to do a new kitchen for them, and I won't. I would refer them to somebody else. I just want to fix what they have, and most of the times people would be very happy with that. Are most clients oblivious to the fact that I understand it's new, I understand that it's got that new car smell, but things do need maintenance over time. Like, it's just, it's use and abuse, and things do need maintenance. Are they oblivious to that? Uh, I think they, I think they know it will break. Okay. I think they understand they're they're understanding. They're not that upset when something is broken. A lot of times I'm going into 20, 30, or even 40-year-old kitchens and just fixing two things. And the rest is, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it's not bothering them. Some people always claim, I have this kitchen, it's made out of press board, and it's junk. That's what they say. And I said, if you buy a $200,000 kitchen custom-made from Europe, it comes out of press board. It's press board. There's no or or particle board or whatever it is. They call it MDF. Well, they pre they present it as a different type of press right. board. Right. It's it's all the same. It's still yeah. IKEA kitchens are just as good as anybody else's, and I recommend IKEA to anybody who calls. I'm not going to do it. I just said buy it from IKEA. Buy it with installation. IKEA is very good. If you don't like their doors, there are other companies on the market that make exactly. IKEA do uh, uh, cabin uh, doors that fit. Ikea cabinets, yeah. but they think that like, they'll call me, can you make me a kitchen just slightly better than Ikea? I said, yes, but it's five times the cost. You take the Ikea, multiply by five, and it's going to cost that maybe more. And they think like, oh, well, I don't want to pay that much. I just want to pay a little more. Yeah. There was no such thing. So they may go to a private guy, but they find out that after they get it done, it's no better. No. And Ikea is a little sneaky because I remember early on when I was doing some modifications because I got a lot of clients that were asking me, we got an Ikea piece, but we're not crazy about it. Can you modify this? Then you start getting other types of Bloom hardware or whatever, and they don't necessarily line up perfectly. So Ikea's got like their own, I guess, signature well, Bloom. Uh, they get their, it's, yes, it, they get their own version. Yeah. But I can make it fit. It's a little tricky for others. To, I can make it work no problem, but yeah. uh, it's a little tricky for other people to make it. But once you start modifying it, it gets, it's not designed easily to be modified. You can do it, but it's not easily modified, but it's very good. And it would work for most people that I see. There's enough options. Right now, I think it's very difficult because they don't have everything in stock and yeah. they haven't had for the last year or two, but it's a very good option for but most But for people. the cost, I mean, when you compare it to custom, yeah, you're right. It's five, if not more, times the cost, right? Or more. And, and it's not worth it because no. when I see the what they got custom, I'm looking at it and saying, that's not better than what they could have bought from Ikea. Oh, Ikea I've been there, been Paul. I've seen that before and I'm like, I can't believe that that, is custom. I see the price. Yeah. That's a custom price, but that's not a custom quality. And they could have just went to Ikea and got better. It's sad. But what's wrong with the cabinets today? Like all the new ones today. What's what's falling apart with the cabinets today? The major problem that I see is just poorly either poorly designed or poorly assembled. Like there's nothing wrong with their materials. They use good materials. But uh, because most of the people building cabinets here in this country are self-taught, 
they learned by working at another company previously. Maybe yep. they worked at another company. They they choose uh, the wrong hardware or inexpensive hardware, and they don't read the manual on how to install it. So they guess how to install it. And it may work for a little while. Like the manufacturer might say in the fine print, do not use this if the drawer is wider than 20 inches. And they'll use it at double that width. And so it's never good from the very beginning. And so when you get there, I look at it and I say, I just can't fix that. I can't replace it with the same thing because I can't, I know that it's wrong and I'm not gonna do something that's clearly wrong. Even if they told me it worked for 10 years like this, I still just can't do it. I just can't do something that was wrong that I know is clearly wrong. So I said, I can't use any of that. I have to scrap it all. I'll take the face, I'll reuse the face, but I have to build a hole inside. And it might cost $400. I don't think that's that much money, but that's what it's gonna cost. But if you have four or five drawers, it could add up to $2,000. The grocery list at that but time. But yeah. the most, mostly is they've used things improperly. They haven't read the manual. They've just decided we're gonna do it this way use inexpensive materials, or they use really good materials, but they don't read the manual on the proper way to, to apply it. So I've mostly found things are in the wrong position. And if they say something's not working, I know that it's, it, it always will work if it's installed properly. So most of the time, it's that it's installed improperly. I have to take it all apart and put it back in the, in the right place. So it's not necessarily the materials failing, it's the installation. Yeah, it all has to do with the installation. Failing. The installation is, so when you buy a kitchen, especially a high-end kitchen, the manufacturer is one thing, but they may subcontract out the installation to oh, another Oh, for guy. sure, 100%. The installation is, could be poor, but the kitchen, everything about it is beautiful, but the installation was poorly done. Not quite level, a little bit out of level, not quite, it's just not done right, and that was done in the installation. How young is your son? In his 30s. He's in his 30s. 30s. And how long has he been working with you? Um, five years. Okay. About five years. Did he get into it because he wanted it or did you kind of um, presented the picture? No, we started working together at the beginning. Uh, I, I needed him as a helper. Yeah. And then um, he, he showed himself to be really good at it. Like... Um, you don't really need a cabinet making background necessarily for a lot of these things you're doing. You just have to be able to work as accurately as you're in the shop, but you have to work at a customer's home with, with some of the things that we're working with, like very accurately and work in a driveway at minus 10 degrees. Yeah. And so that's where the trick is, is to have the right tools so that you can accurately work, but not in a shop. It's wonderful. You can do everything, but here we're working with gloves. You're working in the wind. It even could be raining a little bit and we have to work outside. And that's where it gets a little tricky that you have to work accurately, like we have to hand hold the laser. You hold the laser with one hand, you kind of align the slide with the other hand. Yeah. And so we keep looking for tools that are right for us. I bought 10 tools, didn't work. I bought another tool, didn't work until we found the one that works for us. And for other construction guys with a full pickup truck of tools, it's a little different. We have to I want to carry so many things, but some things I just can't bring with me. There's not room in the truck. So we have to curate the truck with the things that we know that we need for that day. Some things come out and some things go in. And we know because we look and say either we have two calls or three calls today. We look at the photos and we know it could be one of these things. But every once in a while, it could be something that is uh, I haven't seen for 10 years. And I might have it at the shop and, uh, or, and let's say my son who's worked with me for five years, there's things he's never seen. 
he's never seen before. So we can try and figure it out. But even now, there are things that neither of us have seen. And we have to figure out on the spot how to make it work with what we have with us. There's a lot of thought process to you guys. I mean, you guys might come in and just be incredibly efficient when you're physically doing the work. But you've thought about it way before that. Even even yesterday, we came across something unforeseen. We had never seen it before. We have to figure out not what's best, but how best to do it with what we brought. We figured it out, but it took a lot longer than we expected. I don't know, but twice as it took a lot longer. And but I gave the person a, a quote, and I stick with that quote. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with with just throwing out numbers later. Uh, I like to, them to know exactly what's going. You're cost. giving them a fair price based on your skill and experience. Whether, like, whether it's. Uh, it's uh, what I think is fair in advance. Sometimes the quote could be, our job is finished in a half an hour. And people will think, well, that's outrageous. His hourly rate was $200 or $300 an hour. I said, but I don't have an hourly rate. You're not just paying for the time you see here. There was time elsewhere. Like there was, there's the materials we needed to bring. You don't yep. know how long it planning. took to prepare. Pre. And the planning. And yeah. there's expertise. And you got to pay for that. But... Sometimes it works out really well in our favor, and sometimes it doesn't. It's funny how the clients don't factor in all the preparation hours and the skill and the experience that you put into the industry for your business. They never consider that. They just consider the time that you're there at their physical home taking care of the problem. They think that that's your hourly rate, but it's not. You're not making 200, 300 bucks an hour. No, because they're not. They don't count both the travel time to yeah. get there. They don't count the prep in advance, what you needed to pick up from somewhere. You had to go to a store, a supplier. The, the, an hour or two is lost suppliers during COVID. It's even more sometimes. Oh, it, it was brutal. Call in advance, and even now, they're they're closed to the public at some places, or they're closed even for me to pick up. Like I have to phone, then I get there and have to phone again and find out twenty guys are waiting outside for their orders. All those things aren't counted, and sometimes I don't even count that into the. And it's factoring into your profit. Market margin at yes. that point because you're spending time there waiting so sometimes i'm not sure what i need and i pick up extra like different sizes i pick up five different sizes my supplier i can't return i can return if i buy from a big box store but they don't take you don't take that into account sometimes you don't you don't return it it gets damaged and i don't want to return it at that point and you end up with a lot of things left over I was the reason I was bringing up uh, your kid working with you. It's because of the younger generation. We already know there's such a void that a lot of that younger generation doesn't really want to get into construction. They look at construction as a plateau. They look at this industry as a plateau. You're comparing it to what's out there: the TikTokers, the influencers, the digital, all that stuff. And and then I get a lot of guys reaching out to me asking me, you know, what's going to happen when I'm ready to hang up my tool belt or whatever. Am I going to pass this on to somebody else? Have you already started thinking about that? Um, yeah. So my son, uh, I send him out on his own whole days at a time. Goes for the whole day. We load the truck in the morning. I prepare it. I send him out, give him the address. Uh, because of the phone, he can send me, a, if there's an issue, he'll send me, a, he'll live stream a video. I'll look at the video. I'll give some suggestions of what to do. And it's worked out perfect. And I think he can do it. He has a good future that he can do it. I taught him enough. And I, some things that I'll take on, he'll know to stay away from. <laughs> I take on things that I do it because nobody else will do it for the customer. And I feel a little bit of a responsibility. Like I am the only person out there that can do that. But in the end, uh, when a new person takes over, he will choose 
I would say, don't do those kind of things. There's a lot of water damage in kitchens, like a lot of things, and it can't be fixed. It has to be replaced. It's really difficult to extract some of those panels or cabinets after they've been glued to the countertop, and we'll extract them, build a new one. I'll tell them it could be 2500 to 3500 to do that. It's really expensive. There's a lot of little factors in there, trying to make new cabinets to match the old. And I do it, but every time I do it, even when I think the price is really high, I regret it. This is too much work. It takes up too much time. There's too many visits. Could be three visits or four visits. The dog has chewed the corner of five different cabinets. I've seen that <laughs> multiple times, like yeah. not just once. The dog has peed on all the cabinets, chewed all the cabinets. And I'm looking at it and I say, sometimes I'm embarrassed to tell them the price, how expensive it's going to be. So I just say, this is going to be expensive. Or this is not inexpensive. And I wait and see if they want to know. And if they want to know, then I'll tell them the price. What's their body language like when you start telling it? Because I, mean, I get the sense that you're very concerned about the dollars that they're spending hiring you to do the work because I guess your mindset is I'm, I'm going to be a client one day. I'm going to have someone come in to take care of something. So what's their body language like? It's all done. I do it all on email or online. Okay. All my, so you all would, my, okay. I never go in person. I do that first. Then if they're prepared, they say, well, how about coming and looking to give me a better quote? I said, no, this is the quote. If I gave you a range and I said it's 1200 to 1500 to do that, I tell them you count that it's going to be 1500. If it's going to be less, just be pleasantly surprised. And then if I'm coming, I'm coming to do work right away on that first day, either to take something Efficiency. back. Efficiency. Yeah, like I can't come. And some people say, I need somebody to come and look. Well, I'm, I'm the wrong person if you want me to just come and look. Like it's the same as uh, if you say, I can't send pictures. I said, look, if you can't send pictures, I can't come. Some people, there's people who say, I'm against tech. I don't use tech. I don't have a phone that sends pictures. I said, well, Find a child, find a, don't you have a grandchild? <laughs> find a child who can take a picture and send it to me and I'll give you a I'm quote. I'm against tech. Are they still using a flip phone? Or Some they... people don't use a phone at all. Really? Like, I know. Or I know. any, I said, well, how did you find me? And yeah, I found, they found me by Google, but that's it. That's the extent of what they're doing. They can't send pictures. If like, I'll get a, a call from a person, an older person, like if in their eighties or nineties, then it's understandable. Then I'll say, if it's a small thing, I'll tell them over the phone. I, I hate telling prices over the phone. I always want to do it in writing either. I never, I very rarely, uh, quote over the phone. I want to do it. Uh, somehow. You contact me by Instagram, I'll send you a quote by Instagram. You contact me by Yelp, I'll send you a quote by Yelp. However you call me, I'll send a quote except on the phone. And customers call me, sometimes I get many ways and sometimes I get a message. I don't even know how this message came. Like, uh, it could come from Facebook Messenger. It could come from Instagram. It could come from uh, Google My Business. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. And then you start getting messages. And then I'm looking back and I go, I have three missed messages from Instagram. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part where the, I didn't notice it for two days. But however you contact me, I'll contact you back. And there's Homestars. They have a way of sending messages. There's Yelp has a way. And however they contact me, I'll send you back a Are message. you angling all that yourself? Yes. We do it while driving. Like I'm driving, wow. the passenger will do that. Because I can only assume that you're getting dozens of inquiries every single day. So our quotes are very short. Sometimes, like when the quote comes in, I have some templates ready because okay. some of our calls are so similar, like a door fell off, uh, a drawer is broken. So we have a template ready. I'm driving, uh, or if I'm driving and my son is the passenger, 
when it comes in, take a look, see what they said. Then he tells me what it is, or we, or we say, okay, send them back this template, and we send back the price. If it's something else, we don't have time for big stories. So if they send something, I send them back sometimes just a number, like a dollar figure, like 285 plus HST. That's all I say, nothing else. Like they might want a bigger story, but I don't have time to do that because we're doing it all while driving. And sometimes you get one call or two calls a day. Sometimes I get five calls in 15 minutes. Like I hang up one, another call right away. And I don't like the callers. I feel these days phoning is like the lazy way to do things. I want them to fill in the form on my website. I want to go to, go to my website, fill in the form. It comes instantly to my phone with photos. If they call, I force them to send a text message right away. Get to that point where you can start because answering. they want to, um, like, can you give me a ballpark? No, I won't give you a ball. Like on the phone, they tell me something really complicated and they say, can you give me a ballpark for that? Like they'll say, I have a six by nine kitchen and I want to replace all the doors. Can you give me a ballpark? No, I can't give you a ballpark. <laughs> and then, and sometimes I can tell already in advance, it depends, like they say, I want to do kitchen refacing job. And can you give me a ballpark? I said, no, but I guarantee you, I'm going to be the most expensive. And they go, why? I said, because I just, I do a proper job and that's why. And, and if I'll ask them, is price very important to you? Is it the number one thing? And if they say, yes, the number one thing, I, I am not the person for you. And you tell them that? I tell them right on the phone. I say, I'm not the right person. Who are they comparing you to? The Kachijis um, well, out there? They, the handymen out there? There's all, when it comes to some things like the, like when I, in Google, I try and like, I don't put the word, I don't know if I have the word kitchen refacing, but sometimes people think that is like their cheapest kitchen option. Like you can go to Depot, get all your doors taken off, get new doors on. That has kind of like the connotation of being really inexpensive. Yeah. And so they say, but I want to quote anyway. So I just say, I'll pick a number. Like I have a number for, per door. I say, it's this much per door. And so they'll ask, how much is that total? I don't know. Count up your amount of doors, multiply it by the number I gave you, and that's the price. <laughs> Clients got to do a little bit of homework right, they for want, you. What is the total price? I yeah. said, here. I gave you, and I always give a price per unit. I don't give it, like I'll say, it's so much per door, per drawer. But if you do only one, I have a service charge because one is not enough to come. And so you have to pay a service charge. So I would recommend you do two because it's going to cost you almost the same and you get two done. And I guarantee you, if your drawers look like that first one, even if they're better, they're, they're going to be... They'll uh, eventually get there. And then sometimes when I start, they say, please, just do them all. Or they'll call me back to a year later and say, these ones were so good. And... I've never gone back. Like I've, maybe I've done 10,000 jobs. I'm not sure. But uh, I've done a few, quite a few thousand. I've never gone back except for a failure in some part, but not because of my workmanship. But we're really careful. And we, I'm really careful in how I do things because I don't want to go back. I'm assuming you go back to the same condo buildings, not the same unit. Uh, I've been, there are buildings I've been 20 times. And wow. I've been 20 times. Some buildings have Facebook groups where they talk with each other. Some buildings have um, some buildings have a lot of owners where they actually care. Like a rental, I've been to every building, whether it's new or old, pretty well, every high rise. But some buildings have uh, like a, um, a Facebook group where they talk about maintenance and things. And some of them, they did something that had a flaw in the way they did it from the very beginning. They used a really cheap hinge or they installed it in, in uh, the wrong way. And so there are times where building that I've been to, uh, been to 20 times, but I've been to three times on the same day. 
And so the customer, first customer was trying to arrange the others and she said to me, I would like a discount on the service charge because you're coming to the building anyways. And I'll just say, <laughs> first I say no, because I'm against discounts. Yeah. I never give a single discount to any customer. They have to pay the full price and it has to be on your credit card or debit card, no matter what. And I didn't think, first I don't think it's security, fair. Security, security, security. First, yeah, first yeah. I don't think it's fair because why should I give you a discount? I've never given anybody else a discount in this building. And so, I never give, and another reason I don't give discounts is because I gave the price, if they accept my price, then I'll do everything to make the job perfect. And part of that is I come on time. I take off my shoes. We clean up our mess, usually with our vacuum, or if, we, if it's a high rise, their vacuum. And I always ask, can I have your vacuum? We wanna clean it up. And that's part of the price. And that's, I think, really important. And that's part of getting good review. So we don't make a mess. And also we come on time. When I give them a window, my window of uh, arrival is a half hour. I'll say I'll be there 10 to 10.30. And it happens because of traffic, we're gonna be a bit little late. I'll send them a note, we'll send them a text message en route, we're gonna be a little late. It could even be sometimes an hour late, but we tell them. But you're keeping them in the loop. I tell them, and they're used to like the cable company, which is like afternoon service, uh, afternoon, or the gas company. And they will never change morning, that. Yeah. And they don't even keep that. If they tell you a morning, I don't give anybody a three hour window, that's not fair. But it's amazing, they're asking you for a discount, but then they're perfectly fine spending all the money on Uber Eats or whatever it is. So when they ask for a discount, it's never, like, uh, it's always, uh, like, by text. How about this? How about a discount? Because, again, this? like you said earlier, they're hiding behind. Yeah, it's easy. You can be brave. Yeah. You know, how about this? And if they say something either snarky or something stupid, like, that's ridiculous. I could buy a whole cabinet for that. I, I, or, and sometimes even for the discount, I don't even respond. You're even, vetting. That's even a... when they ask for the discount, I might, sometimes I'll just say the word no. Never, I won't put an exclamation mark. That's a little too much. Yeah. And I don't use caps. That no. would be... So I'll just say no, or I won't even respond. Again, let them call me again. You don't need to justify it. Yeah, like this is my price. It's like, if you're not happy, it's fine. I have no hard feelings. Just, you know, if you're not happy, just find somebody else who's willing to do this. And that's fine with me. You can find somebody else. You can find a handyman who will just fix it. But they won't take care of it properly. That's, uh, well, but that's what they're comparing it to. They're yeah. going to Kijiji. They're going because to these farms. Um, I invented this specialty. Even the companies that I buy the hardware from, uh, like Bloom, they know me well and they refer me for a complicated repair of these lift-up devices like the, the cabinets that lift up yeah. and, the, and the electrically operated lift-ups. They call me to fix the cabinets so they know I can do it. But uh, they're going to compare me. Like when I come, sometimes I see something that's broken, but that is not the reason that that broke. That is the result of something else. And I will not just fix that one problem. The whole thing has to come down. It's going to break again if I just fix that. It has to do with something else of the way it was installed that's, going to, that's the reason it's, it's broken. And you explain that to the client. I tell them. And yeah. I say, that's why it costs this much. But some people say, no, I just can't do it. I just, I'm still wrapped around that they, they want to haggle or they want to dispute your fair pricing to solve a problem of theirs, but yet they're spending so much money elsewhere they're, you and know, not they're negotiating used, those. They're used to haggling on everything, yeah. I think, especially with tradesmen. They're used to haggling on tradesmen because uh, if you're a plumber now, it's very, you're going to have a hard time getting your customers off internet 
from the internet through a Google search. If you just type in, I need a plumber, you're going to have a hundred showing up. It's going to be very, yeah. and the big companies are going to be able to control that because of the way they do SEO. And it's really hard for little guys now to uh, find customers. You might have to you need a third party like to send you referrals, like um, Jiffy or Homestars. Yeah. Like you'll need those companies to send you referrals. Those referrals aren't cheap to receive them. And they also, those, those companies have a flat rate that they're gonna pay you. So if you're starting out as a plumber wanting to do service, it's really hard to get customers now. Well, for me, like maybe they believe in word of mouth that they can, I don't believe in word of mouth anymore. I don't think word of mouth is, is useful. Really? Um, Where are you getting most of your, like what platform is feeding you the most? Google. Directly. A Google search. Really? Yeah. And I do not believe in business cards anymore. Uh, I, I, I don't believe in business cards. I don't believe in referrals. I don't work for relatives or friends. I don't need any of that. Just straight Google working for strangers is the best. It's business yeah. at that point. Yeah, it's just straight business. And also, I get a lot of, I get calls that look like referrals, but I don't know that person who's referred me because they call their local kitchen company something broke after a year. They go, we don't do that. Call this company. I don't know that company. They say, they mentioned me a name of somebody that referred them. I don't know who, that, don't is. Know who that is. They just looked at the other guy, looked on Google, found me, and said, call this person. But, uh, regular, but they're doing that to start the negotiations is why they're doing um, that. They don't know who to call. Like yeah. a lot of kitchen companies, they don't want to do service at all. And they for sure don't want to do service after the warranty period of one year. Of course not. So they just call me. There's a couple of kitchen companies that call me directly to service their kitchens for various things. They're not always faults. Or sometimes the dishwasher or fridge is damaged and they need me to do something before it can be serviced. The dishwasher could have a a panel on it and I have to remove that. The, the dishwasher service company isn't going to do that. And so sometimes it has to do with something else. The dishwasher leaked and it damaged all the cabinets. Yeah. So they need uh, me to do something for them. Like, uh, but the referrals, like some people, like uh, they'll call me, the contractors disappear. He left in the middle. And they want me to finish the rest. And they go, it's 90% finished. Can you just come and finish the last 10%? And I'm thinking, maybe there's something wrong with the customer. Maybe it wasn't that. So three then, stories. There's always yeah, three like stories. Yeah, like there could be. I'm not interviewing the contractor. I just see the customer. And then I'm very cautious. Yeah. Like, because then I said, is this a crazy customer? And uh, then the price gets a little more expensive to finish a job of somebody else. It's also very difficult. Because you have to discover... They tell me this job looks 90% done. I said, yes, it looks 90% done in looks, but it's only, what did you pay? Yeah. And how much money was left over? Yeah. And then they'll tell me, well, I paid almost all the money. I have $1,000 left over. I said, that's not going to be enough to finish this kitchen. You might need 10 times that much to finish the kitchen, even though it's 90% done. Because for me to start making those components to match your existing is going to be very difficult. And so those ones are the ones I'm most cautious about because sometimes I think the customer could have be something wrong with that exactly customer. we don't know like that's i mean the truth is why don't customers just tell us the truth at the very beginning you want to you want to come in and you want to start discussing things just give us the whole camera they're not going to tell you they won't I'm, though i know I'm, they won't there's something wrong with me and i'm oh, crazy oh, they're not going to say that <laughs> or it could have been the contractor did a bad job and he's crazier or so she's crazy, sometimes whatever, yeah. like when you run your own business the 
you, the only thing you get to choose now is your customers. Yeah. Once the customers hired you, they become your boss. You're not even your own boss anymore because once the customers hired you, they are your boss in a way. And so you have to be, you have to interview your customers, be really careful about who you take. Now, even though I take a lot of customers and I have a lot over time, it's like you don't want a customer that's too eager. Uh, there's always something wrong with them. Like, just I tell them, I haven't given you a quote yet. Just come. Just come do the work. And no, I do not come. No, no, don't worry. And then I give them the quote, and then they don't want me to come. Of course. And I'm, I, would, I, never, I never go without quoting in advance. It's just very dangerous practice for me. And I'm uncomfortable sometimes about going, not telling them, and telling them it's $3,500. But you're not prepared. You don't know what to arrive with. Yeah. You don't, that, that's, you, you're filling in the gaps. But I'm saying do the whole, don't even tell them how much the work is until yeah. you're finished. Yeah. And then just let, just pick a number. I do never do that. No, because ever. then they're going to start to negotiate. They don't know how much it costs yeah. to do it. So this way I never have money disputes. They have to pay on the spot when they're done by credit or debit. No cash. So you're not taking any advance. You're just paying full once the work is complete. If I have a part of their cabinet, I consider that like a deposit. Like if I've okay. taken a piece away for color matching, yeah. they're going to have to pay me because I have a piece of their cabinet like kind of as hostage. Yes. There may be times where if I have to buy a lot of material, I might say you pay 50% before I start. I've even told people that I was afraid whether they were paying, that they had to pay 100% before I start. So you got I, a feeling. I said, there's something, they have to pay me all before I start. I don't like doing that. It feels really strange, but 50%. And if they start and try and negotiate that, I'm just going to say I can't do it. So there's a lot of vetting going on. Because the thing is, you're meeting so many different people. Yeah, there's all, and also, you're also sent to some tenancies too, like the land, the, the owner will send you, I said, you have to meet me here for payment. And they say, I'll pay you, uh, I'll send you an e-transfer when the job is done. But e-transfers sometimes have a delay in them. And yeah. I don't want to leave. I don't know that, a lot of my customers, I don't even know their name. I don't know their first name. I don't know their last name. I don't know anything about them because... I don't know by text. I might know their phone number, but I don't know who even their names at all. And so I want them to meet me there. And if not, I will send an online invoice from my phone with a pay now button that they have to pay before I leave. And I tell them, you have to pay before I leave this job. So we finish the job. I send a video of the completed job. And I wait, I wait until I get a notification from my software that the customer's paid. That comes instantly. As soon as they pay, they go online and pay. And then I'll leave. Sometimes. You're just covering yourself and you're just running a business. I'm always afraid that I don't, I've never not been paid. I've always been paid. But there's that fear of a self-employed business. I just don't want to not be paid. I hate that feeling yeah. of not being paid. Why should the customer get that for free? So I make it, I always am really strict with my payments. Sometimes even not hounding the customer, but like some customers, I say, okay, I'll send you an online invoice, pay it tomorrow. Because some people now are in Zoom meetings and they say, look, I'm not gonna, and people, some people leave their doors open to their house, go in, fix it. And it's like, okay, on occasion I'll do that. But it's like, I wanna be paid right away. I wanna be paid the next day. But you provided the service, yeah, it's I gave done. them, as, as sometimes even emergency service, sometimes they called me the same day. They say, hey, I'm just around the corner. I'll be there in a minute. And I come the same moment that they called the job from the moment they called to the job is complete could be an hour or two because I could be driving by. And even though the city is so big, just by coincidence, You're they there. Say, I'm just around the corner. Yeah. I'll come and I'll do it right now on the spot. It's interesting because I, I, the other day I was having a conversation with somebody about this industry, how 
we spend the time and effort to build a business. You got into this. You, you, you basically won a few in every single metropolitan city. There aren't that many of you guys out there. There's lots of handy men and women out there, but there aren't that many of you guys that are actually fixing things properly and then getting more clients as a result of that. So you, you spend the time and effort building your business. You get to a certain point where you retire and you want to relax and enjoy life. And you have that big question, who do I hand it off to? Do I shut it down? And everybody in construction has this mindset where I don't know what to do with it. It's not a Nike. It's not a, a big brand or whatever, right? So what do I do with this? It just stops? Is that what happens? It just stops with me? So it's um, you are the brand. You're everything in this case. And because I need really highly skilled people, most people don't have this expertise no. uh, uh, that I know that spent a lot of time studying these little things. How do hinges go on and all the, the little details to go with that. And they're, I call it, an, um, it's um, complex, it's deceptively complex. Mm. And so before we go to that, I'll just say that a lot of customers call and say, I just want to do it myself, just sell me the part. I say, I'm not selling you the part because you're not going to be able to do it. Then I say, are you an, an engineer? And if they say yes, I said, maybe, but the chances are you're not going to be able to, to do that. It's not, it's this, it's very complex, but here's the store where you can buy it from and just go buy it and do it and call me if you can. Yeah. They've never done it. Never been successful. And okay. Getting back because to it. Because it takes a certain mindset. Uh, because it's deceptively complex and they're not going to have all yeah. the tools. They're not yeah. going to have all the tools they need. It looks simple. There's two screw adjustments on it or three screws adjustment. Works in three different directions. It's very confusing. And even if you think you can do it, there's something else wrong. It was never done right from the beginning. And I do. I have a few tricks that allow it to work. And they, and they uh, just can't. Yeah. So I'll tell them you can go to Home Depot. Uh, in Toronto, you can go to... Or in Canada, you can go to Lee Valley. They sell some more parts but if they say to me what's lee valley then i say the chances of you doing it are are <laughs> slim if you don't even know like a specialty supplier like that and have a little background in woodworking you just have no chance and uh, i've never seen a why, customer. what is their mindset on that like i don't understand. Um, because home depot and the the shows on tv and home depot they give people the impression that they can do it themselves and so the first you can't do it yourself and not with the advice from home depot uh, for sure not with those those advice because when you ask that guy a question at Home Depot he just reads the label and when you see that you say I don't need your help like that I can read the label equally and they always give people the wrong glue or the wrong putty they think that's going to work like the screw came out of a hole and the guy at Home Depot will give them some putty and they're thinking the the screw will be held in by that and I said I never I'm, do I'm not that. dissing the Home Depot guys but you're 100% right because Paul because they're not like, hired because yeah. of their knowledge no. that's not why you get hired at Home no. Depot then you would see you at Home Depot with there's an orange another apron person. there's exactly. a reason you're willing yeah. to work at Home Depot it has to do with something else yes. but it's not because of your skills sure there's a guy in the plumbing department who knows something and there's a guy in the electrical department who knows something but there's nobody in the there's nobody in the other departments that know anything uh, they're hi they're hired for other reasons yeah i agree with you yeah. so um yeah so back to that other yeah, back to that about you yeah. know passing your business on to to your children or uh, passing it on to somebody yeah. right so uh some of them like if you're a tradesman it's very difficult to pass it on other than to teach your children how to do it but to teach a stranger how to do it like i have some i taught my son 
And he's really good now at doing the work. And he's also seen the way we treat customers, which is equally important. We do things like we treat customers different than anybody else. Now that he's learned that, he can take over. And I can sit on a computer, just dispatch him, find new work, update the website. Maybe we can get a little more work too and just keep him on the road. Every once in a while, I'll go with him. To find somebody you have to do, I would have to train somebody in this. And then for the first three years, you'll see most of the common things, but there's things you'll never see that you might see once, like a house built in the forties or a house built in the twenties. And it can still be fixed, but it gets a lot more tricky. You're not going to see that that often. Yeah. And you're dealing with material that you're only slightly familiar with from back in the day. If I've seen that. it because I've been around for a little while. Yeah, my father was a cabinet maker, so yeah. I've seen things for I've seen things for that other people wouldn't. Like I have a good background in seeing things. I've always been interested in it, and so I've seen it. But somebody's going to see that. A lot of people come in and will just everybody else other than me that they've contacted said that has to be thrown away, and you need a new kitchen. And a lot of times I come to the kitchen and I'm thinking to myself, this is horrible uh, kitchen, and they should get a new one. But it's a big undertaking. Like renovation is such a big undertaking that uh, I do not recommend anybody like over a certain age to even get it, like an older person to even get involved in it. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. the contractor, he senses, he's like a shark in the water and he'll sense weakness. And if he senses weakness, the only way to be one of the only ways I think to be successful contractors take more work than you can handle. And you take more work than you can handle and then you start on one job and then you leave them for a little while, go to another job, and then you have four or five jobs going at one time. And the person who calls you the most or bothers you most, those person you go down. It's one way of contracting. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing a bunch, like you're doing a basement, you're doing a washroom, and you know, you're waiting in between while somebody comes. So you don't come right away the day the plumber finishes. You come three days later while you're doing something else, and you're juggling four or five jobs. And if they sense that you are very patient, I've seen people that had their kitchen on renovation for two years. Some for a people, kitchen. People call me, like, I've, I said, how long has it been like this? And I'm thinking a month. No, two years. I've had no kitchen. I've been cooking in the basement. Wow. And I've seen that not once or twice, like many times. Because a lot of guys want to keep their business busy. And they disappear, and they never come back. Yeah. Four doors are missing. Something is missing for many years, like, or it was never done right, and they just leave. And sometimes the people have paid in full. Paul, I've seen the cabinets kind of evolve when I was a kid and I saw what was done back then. And there's that classic rail with the wheel on it and hop in and out. And and now you've got soft clothes, soft clothes and all kinds of stuff. Undermount, side mount, servos. I mean, I've, I've bid on all the automated stuff. I don't understand it. I don't understand the dollar value behind it. What are your thoughts on the, like, where's the future of cabinets going? And I'm assuming all this automated stuff is coming in. Illuminated stuff is coming in. So um, a lot of, I get contact quite a lot. They want soft clothes. Do you want to convert everything to soft clothes? But sometimes I'll just say, you know, just go to supplier, buy a good bumper, put the bumper on the door. It works just fine. I do not recommend it all the time. It's not a game changer. They just have their doors slamming all the time and they think they need soft clothes. Soft clothes drawers are good and they're not good for the reason you would think. They're not good because they're quiet. Sure, if you get up in the middle of the night and you open the drawer, it doesn't slam. But they're good because uh, they save the cabinets because they don't slam. And when they slam, the 
drawer face is acting as the stopper. Yeah. And every time it slams, it breaks the drawer a little bit. And I recommend that for drawers, but for cabinet doors, just put on uh, a nice bumper, which I carry with me all the time. Sometimes I'll put them on all their cabinets. I don't charge for that necessarily. It's part of the job. And that makes a huge difference. If I don't feel like putting them on every cabinet, I'll just give them a package. Here, put on these bumpers. It'll make a big difference. But it's not a game changer. But some of the accessories, when you buy a kitchen for 40, 50, or 60, or whatever they cost, you can pay 100 or 200. They put in a few gadgets that are like... Uh, I don't know how we describe it as like... The Jetsons. Yeah, like fancy gadgets. Yeah. And they look really good. Like some of these corner cabinet gadgets look really good. They're not all electronically powered, but they look really good. And um, when you actually examine them and say, hey, there's not much storage on these. They don't actually give much storage. And quite a few times when they break, I tear them out and I just put in a shelf. And it almost works just as good because... Sure, part of it you don't have access to, but the part you do have access to is equal to what these fancy yep. gadgets gave you. Yep. Now, there's few things electrically operated or, that are actually good. Some of the flip-up cabinets are good uh, because when they flip up, you can't reach them. Yeah. So there's a button to lower them. And uh, I've installed a couple of automatically open garbage cans where you put your foot underneath, like the way you open the, the, way you open the back lid on your car you yeah know how you you put your foot underneath and it kicks the garbage can open so that's useful because you have your hands full of garbage and you don't have to pull everything yeah but what's uh, a lot of the trend now is the cabinets with no handles where yeah. you touch everything to open so you touch everything to open your dog walk by and it hits the cabinet it opens your little kids come by it opens i've been asked quite a few times to pull them all out and change them back to regular cabinets with handles. Because yeah. the handleless cabinet, the cabinets without handles, it's good if you use the best hardware. And even then it can be problematic. But if you use the cheap versions of it, it's really bad. I, I saw that when, remember a few years ago, they had all the touchless faucets coming out. Yeah. And, and I started, okay, this is an interesting idea. But then you started getting these complaints from clients saying that it's like I just stand there and it turns on. I just look at it funny, it turns on. And then it just starts becoming frustrating. So you know how the designers get caught up with this new design. Yeah. We're going to build you this whole kitchen that's going to all be touchless. But it doesn't. it's not as practical f as you think for your life. You're walking by the cabinet. You're standing by. You brush this cabinet. Doors open. You're standing by your sink. The doors open. And so I found a lot of people don't like it, though it does look nice. It's cleaner. It's it looks simpler. Nice, but just get yourself the cleanest, smallest handle you can find that's kind of invisible and that will probably do, and it works better. But if you want to go with the, the like that kind of fancier kind of look, just get the most expensive hardware you can get. I find that those kinds of touchless setups are designed for couples that actually don't cook. They're, uh, it's better. They don't not, use it. They don't use the kitchen. Any, don't have any children in your house or any pets. Pets, exactly. Nothing. So what's yeah. the point? So it's basically a photographic kitchen. Is what it is. And yeah, I'm like, like a kitchen's older, not that. An older couple living in a condo yeah. that eats out dinner most of the time. Something Basically. like that. It's Basically. not for a nice small kitchen. It's not designed for a big high use kitchen. Um, I, I want to ask you your arsenal of tools. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you like? You've got a bunch of stuff, little things here and there, but a particular. Festool primarily. Okay. All my power tools are festool. All the sustainer case, like you come in, you all have our, everything. Yeah. All our, all our tools are in sustainer cases. I've tried the other ones, but I just 
we use all Festool for everything. Hand tools, as long as I don't like uh, any house brand from any, like any house brand, I don't like in my toolbox. I feel like it will poison my other tools. <laughs> like I don't like, I don't want to say anything bad about Mastercraft. It's fine, like Canadian Tire brand. It's fine, and they give you a lifetime warranty, but I feel like it's like it will conspire. Like it's like uh, in my toolbox, it will conspire and be like poison my other it's tools. It's like mold. It'll start to make the others... I yes, weaker or something. No, it's like if they all talk to each other when yeah. they're not listening, it's like it's the evil, like the devil, and it will like damage my other tools. So I buy ridiculously expensive tools, and quite often, like if I see something at a store, I said, I'm going to try that and see if it's good. And then uh, because my truck is kind of curated with only exactly what I need because I don't have room for everything, I'll say, no, this, it wasn't good enough, or I don't use it enough. And if something I like a lot, I might buy two or three or four versions of it because I think that's going to be easier to find when I'm looking for it. Yeah. But I also discovered that you don't find it any faster, even if you have four of them. So I guess you're more of a track guy than a table saw guy. I can't carry a table saw with me, so There's we do no everything room. with the track saw. And then a miter saw, though. Don't carry that either. Oh, really? Do everything with a track saw. Everything with a track saw? Yeah. So well, I guess you're not really doing guy. miters at that point. Um, well, I'm not a finished carpenter, so yeah. I'll very rarely do crown molding. I very rarely do molding that often. I have a battery track saw. I mean, battery miter saw, a very small one, but I don't like it much, and it takes up too much. Even that takes up too a much lot of room. space in the truck. I have a very small truck. It's I call it like the mailman truck or yeah. the you know the cable service man truck. Like it's very small. It has to. I have to need it all the time, or I can't take it. So we always do the track saw. We have three tracks, lots of batteries battery jigsaw everything battery if i can like some tools i don't need that often mostly the, we need drills the van is it wrapped green or is it paint? it's a white van wrapped green wrapped green yeah so uh we don't carry business cards uh sometimes when we're pull, pulled over at the side of a plaza or someone will take a picture road, people knock down the like roll down ask roll, ask us uh, roll down the windows they ask us for a business card i just say take a picture of the truck <laughs> And then they'll call later. Or a lot of people will tell us they saw the truck and they took a picture and now they finally got around to calling us. But it's like sometimes I see contractors without trucks, without any wrap on their truck or any sign. I said, why don't you just put a sign? You're it's missing free. an opportunity. I so I use my truck. I, that's the only vehicle I own. I even use it on the weekends. I figured, why not? It's like free advertising. Yeah. I drive around every, everywhere with that truck and it's always on the road. And so some people say, I saw one of your trucks. Well, there's only one truck. There's only right one. Now. I got I but got that all the time. I'm too. driving really far distances, yeah. and it's easy to find. Like I can find it in a parking lot, and people can find me. People call me all the time while I'm driving. I see you. I do just pass me because it's very uh, bright green. It's very visible, and people call all the time. That's funny. Do you want to share some of your suppliers, or you want to keep that a secret? Because I'm assuming, uh, like, do you deal with Richelieu yeah. or Daven or any of those guys? All or? of them. All of them, right? Richelieu, mainly Richelieu. They okay. have the most parts. There's Richelieu, Hefla, Richelieu won't sell. Richelieu, Hefla, and um, Devan. Yeah. Mostly Richelieu for everything. You have to be a trade. You have to be a profession to go there yeah, or designer. Maybe. If they want to sell, like they might sell direct to the public at yeah. Devan. And if they want to sell to the public, it's fine. I got nothing against you trying to get your own stuff and trying it. Because when I'm selling you, I don't. 
I don't itemize how much I'm charging you for the part. I'm charging you for that part for the plus work. the installation of yeah. that part yeah. plus a flat rate service fee, which I may adjust depending on how much work. Like if you're changing all your hinges, which is like 40 or 80 hinges, I may adjust the service fee to be less because I'm doing that much more work. But I have a minimum service fee and then I tell them it's so much per hinge and so they don't know whether the hinge is too, like the hinge used to, uh, I mean, prices on parts have gone up to 20% this year. Uh, but That's I crazy. haven't changed my prices by 20%. Uh, I just, I've changed my price a little bit. But not the 20%. No, I didn't up it you by can't. 20%. No, I can't do that. Yeah. And a lot of my prices I've kept the same for many years. Well, you I mean, think all these material prices are going to go down? No, they're going to go higher. Because they're not made here. The shipping is going to become more expensive. But I think the idea is... I could always get everything from my supplier at any time. They had all stock. So there was, I was never experienced a time where there's something I needed I couldn't get. Yeah. It's only recently where uh, even if I told a person I was coming tomorrow but I didn't have it, I would go get it uh, the same day and I knew they would have it. The supplier has a huge warehouse. And now I've experienced the first time where a supplier doesn't have it and can't even tell you when they're getting it. And I had to buy some alternative brands that I never bought before. They were still good. I just never bought them before. So it's a learning curve at that point. I didn't want to learn the new brand if it had a little, if there was something different in the setup. I studied my brand. I know a lot of the critical numbers in my head. And uh, so I didn't want to have to learn a new brand, but I was forced to on a couple of occasions. It's funny how, speaking of customer service, I'll always prefer to go to Devan over Richelieu. I understand that Richelieu's got the beautiful showroom. Everything's all laid out. I just find it very corporate. I just like having the chats with the guys at Dave Han. Mm. There's an interesting conversation. Me, that's just me. Like I go in there and all of a sudden I have interesting conversations and they can just show me everything digitally. I've been there for many, like I've, I've been going there for many years. They know me by name, but yeah. a lot of the parts I need now or that I use regularly, they don't carry. Okay. So I'm forced to go to another supplier. I've just discovered a new supplier that carries uh, parts, uh, that carries bloom parts that I didn't know. I never knew about them. And then when I was stuck, I went there and I go, this place is so much better. And now uh, <laughs> it's my favorite supplier. I go there, I tell him what I need. He goes to the back, he gets it, he hands it to me, charges my credit card, and I go. And it's all the other suppliers, some suppliers like Hayfla, which is, um, uh, they make me wait a full day or longer to get before I can act. You can't go into pickup. It's owned by Germans and it's run by Germans. Yeah. So uh, you have to Strict. order, you have to order, <laughs> you have to wait, wait for them to contact you. It will never be less than four hours ever. Then you can go, but it is beautifully wrapped and packaged. They're very official, <laughs> but some, they carry some things that I can't get elsewhere. And it's like, I don't shop by price. I've never even checked the price of anything. I just, when I need things, I buy them and I don't have time. It's one thing I don't have time to be checking who's got the best price. I go to my supplier, I ask them for the first price break and if I think I can use it, if it's 250, I buy them or 500. If I use it regularly, I just buy it to the first price break. Uh, and if I, but if I only need one, then I buy one and pay the higher price. What's the new supplier that you found? It's called Contemporary. Contemporary. They're a Bloom's uh, distributor, uh, but they're, and they're also very close to Richelieu, like in distance, and they're wonderful. So you haven't spent any money on marketing. You haven't. I've when Google. You've embraced you, for for a man in his sixties. You've embraced the digital age. I feel if I was if I was much younger, I would have been involved in tech. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I would have done some oh, something in tech, but uh, I I found that um, 
I wasn't happy unless I did something with my hands. And so this is not the most successful. You're not the most successful when you do things with your hands. As soon as you touch things with your hands, you're not going to be successful. You have <laughs> but you're going to gonna be happy. But it's much more satisfying. Yes. You have many satisfied customers. And it's, it's much more satisfying for me to do it this way. But uh, if, you, um, if you work like... Uh, my most successful friends are know very little like they don't know anything except their one narrow thing that they know and they're the most successful but i was never satisfied with that i tried a few things in the past i tried real estate i found it so unsatisfying not residential i tried commercial real estate and i did yeah. that for a little while i made some money at it but i said this is very unsatisfying happiness i'm finding that as as you get older you got to really embrace what makes you happy and satisfied do that for a living. And also, it's like when you come to your 60s, it's like if you didn't make your millions that you needed, you're not making it in your 60s. You Either you have it or you didn't make it, but yeah. you're not making it now. It's too late for that. You have to make that do that when you're younger. Yeah. I found that you know I tried various things in construction. Each of those things just didn't do it for me like commercial construction, contracting. There's something about each of those that I just, there's some part of it that I just didn't like. And here, where I don't rely on anybody else, I don't take on jobs that require me to take another a subcontractor, a contractor, another contractor of any kind. If it requires another contractor, like they want a countertop, I just send them that. I have a bunch of people that I send those uh, referrals directly. They don't have to pay me a referral fee. I don't want anything from them. I just say sometimes, um, quite a few times in a day, I'll get inquiries that I just send the referral to somebody else. They want their cabinets painted. I could do it. I just don't want to do it. It takes too much time. So I have a list of five. Right away, within a minute, they receive, I have a template ready, and they receive a list of people they can contact. If they, I even give them, like, I'll tell them my price of something that they want to do, right, play something, but I said, if you want to try it yourself, here's a link. You can order this replacement part online because then they'll decide if they want to do it themselves or they want me to do it. I'm really helpful. Like I give, I dispense a lot of free advice while I'm, if I'm driving it, I have nothing to do. People call the first thing they ask, every single customer says, I have a question. They always do. And that's their question. I mean, the first thing they say, and if they are not demanding and they're, they're relatively pleasant sounding, I'll help them in any sure. way. I'll give them 20 minutes of advice. Yeah. I'll tell them what they have to do, but they're not gonna be capable of doing it, but uh, somebody bought a cabinet from like Ikea. They couldn't get the hinges on. And I told them, you realize that the left side are different than the right side and find the left side ones and those go on the left and they fixed it. And then I sent them a request for review and they wrote a review for me. Nice. It's like. I don't mind giving people free advice, but as soon as they start demanding something from me, like they'll call me in the morning and they'll say, I need this done today. As soon That's as how they, they start that, the communication? Yes. I need, or sometimes they'll say, what's the price? I give them the price, they go, fine. That price is fine, but I need it done today. And even sometimes they'll say, I'll pay more to get it done today. Once they start demanding those things, for some reason, I don't want to help them because they weren't nice in the way they ask it. If you ask me nice and it's a real reason, but why have something broken for two years, then they call me on Thursday and say, you know, we're having a party on Friday night. How long has it been broken for? Two years. And then I'll try and help them, but <laughs> just happened last week. They're having a party on Saturday night. And they called me on Thursday. And I called them and said, I'll come Friday, one o'clock. 
No, we're going out at one o'clock. How about three o'clock? No, I'm not coming at three o'clock. Like, if you're gonna, but if you're if you're too pushy, like try and make too many demands upon me, I don't want to do it. I don't know why. It just bothers me. No, I agree with you. Yeah. It's it, it, they should be a little more respectful of your skill and your expertise, and then your mm. time. Not everybody has that. No, they don't. Not yeah. in today's day. They just because they didn't. Sometimes it, I'm too easy to find. Sometimes because they say I, f- I found you. I found your Google ad. Well, it's not a Google ad. It's just a web page. Google placement. Yeah. That's all it's it not is. A, it's just what Google does. I don't pay for Google AdWords. I have done it in the past. I don't find it do, doing anything. I would have found that customer But you anyways. set up your website a certain way that Google places you. Yes, but uh, um, you can use Google ads and show up as one of the top five at the beginning where it has the yeah. little word ad beside it. And I've tried it before, but in the end, I have this, the same customer calls me because first they call you from the ad and then they call me from my location I have in the West, my location I have in the North, my other location, but they're all the same locations. Sometimes the same person will call me three times for a quote because they don't know maybe that I'm three different locations, but it's the same location. One place where I lived, one other place where I had an office, another place where my home is. All those are the same location. You got 20 vans all over the city waiting for people to call. I say, and when as soon as I see a picture, I say, I've seen this picture before. And I said, I've quoted this already. Sometimes the husband and wife call separately and send me photos. I said, I just saw this picture this morning. I gave the quote already. <laughs> the photos you can remember. Yeah, because they're all unique individually, right? Yeah, it's like because right? they, they show me something that looks really crazy. And I go, that looks really, that looks really <laughs> crazy. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why somebody did that, but people, like some people are really creative in their construction techniques. So what are you up to next? I mean, are you... Winding down? You're going to wind down anytime soon? No? Well, as long as I can still You're get on the ground it. and get up. Like, yeah. uh, I've, sometimes I've hired some people to help me that are in their 30s or 40s, and I send them on two service calls, and they say, my knees are killing me. If your knees are killing you in your 30s or I've 40s... I've heard that from teenagers. Yeah. I've so heard say, that from do teenagers. Do you ever do any squats? Like, yeah. maybe do a few squats sometime. So, sometimes we work squatting, but we never... I try never to put my bare knees on the ground. Like sometimes I use the work pants with the knees pads put yeah. in. But yeah. a lot of times I just carry a separate pad to kneel on. Yeah. Uh, and I put it, place it wherever we're working. But it's like if you are, if you can't lie down, get it on the ground and get back up, this job is not for you. <laughs> because there's a lot of working on the ground. We have like a little mini chair that we work on. Uh, it's a special designed like miniature and we have a little like a little knee pad and we work like that but it's not hard work it's hard in your brain sometimes but it's not physical work like sometimes I'll run inside and outside a house 30 or 40 times outside get something inside so somebody's working inside I got to feed them parts so I'll be cutting I'll bring them in I'll bring them out I like working outside better and then as soon as I'm finished, I start the car and I sit in the car and I wait for the person inside to finish. Sometimes I never <laughs> go inside at all. Yeah. And my son Ari, he's doing all the work inside. And uh, that's best in a condo. So in a condo, I might drop him off in front, give him all the parts. And then because I don't always like cut, a condo is not always going to take kindly to you making sawdust in the basement. Yeah, of course. And it's uh, sometimes we don't have room to bring. There's no good battery vacs. I've bought two of them. They're not acceptable. Like they don't have enough suction power. So sometimes we'll, I'll go outside. I'll drive down the street to um, Home Depot. I'll work in the parking lot there and I'll cut all the parts there. It takes an hour. Or sometimes I'll drive to a public parking lot or you try and find a big lot. Downtown, it's a little more challenging. But you find a, like a green pea, one of those ones. Festool hasn't made a battery vac yet? They don't make a battery vac. Milwaukee's come, just came out with one this month. Uh, but it's like I have limited amount of space. 
So and, you got to be careful. And, yeah. Uh, also, you need more than a thousand watts to run a battery uh, vac. A vac, a good vac. Amp. Yeah, and exactly. most of the all the inverters, not many of them go to 15 amps. No. You'd have to directly wire that to your. Yeah. So I've seen people do it, and I bought a, I bought a couple of um, I bought uh, the first um, uh, Makita vac that came out. They needed two batteries. It just didn't have the sucking power that I wanted. Then none of them do. You're right. But yeah. that's why I'm wondering why Festool. I uh, guess they can't make it. They know that it's not going to be good, yeah. so they're not going to make something. They that's won't gonna get be, the market. Yeah, yeah. they know it's it's. The battery technology is not that much different than before. Like it's, there's nothing changed that much about battery technology. It's the same until it changes. If it ever changes, uh, it's hard to run a vac. All the other tools you can run, and we'll see. The new vacs need two batteries. The batteries on the Milwaukee, I think they're 150 each or something. The big batteries that you need. So yes, you can do it with that new power stack where you stack the four DeWalt yeah. batteries together. Yeah. That's over a thousand bucks. You could do it like that. But it's a very costly way, and we sometimes I carry the small uh, Dyson with me, the small Dyson stick. It works good, uh, and but we have to charge it elsewhere. Like I charge it every night, put the Dyson stick. But How long does charge last on those? Thirty things? minutes. That's it, huh? But the thing is, is I like I like to clean out the drawer slides from any sawdust before we do it, and so a lot of times I just ask the customer for their vac. And uh, if Kinda you're in a house, sense. I always try and ask the customer for their vac if I'm in a house. And nobody, I don't think anybody else would does that. You figure a guy like Musk and Tesla would have came out with some sort of portable battery. I think we should be happy that we have what we have. Yeah, I mean, batteries have come a long way. They, they have, but I just figured that his brain just keeps on thinking of stuff that he would not have. He's busy thinking about Twitter now. He doesn't have time. He doesn't have time <laughs> taking to think over about Twitter right yeah, now. Yeah, like, I don't think he'd look at the whole business of tools and he go, "That's too small for me." It's too small of a market. But yeah. I mean, globally speaking, like it's Europe, maybe still too small. Still too small. Yeah, I think to, so. To, to to kind of give this cube or some sort of battery power. I don't know. It seems like the bat, like the tool companies are at a fight battle to the death, but yeah. a lot of it now seems to be over storage containers. Oh, like the 100%. big thing is storage containers. Yeah. More important than the tools themselves is how you put them in your truck and how it looks on Instagram. <laughs> like that's important <laughs> to a lot of people. And it's nice to have that. Like, Organization is nice. If i looking for a good person or a good contractor, I, want, I open up their truck and look inside. Yeah, and that is like. how you judge somebody. If it's a dog's how, breakfast, you just, uh, what's If going you on have here? a bucket with tools inside, I would never hire no, that person. No. And also, it's like, how do you find a good carpenter? You look on Instagram. If you're a lousy carpenter, you're not going to show your work on Instagram because it's going to look bad. Only yeah. good tradesmen show their work on Instagram, and it's a good way to find a good guy if you could get that guy. You might not even get him. <laughs> Paul, one more segment. Let me just uh, give out the deets here again. Paul, Kitchen Fix, uh, www.kitchenfix.ca, Paul at kitchenfix.ca, and also on Instagram. I got the 12 questions of construction. You ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. What is your favorite construction word? This is horrible. <laughs> what is, that's it? That's the horrible. Horrible. Like, uh, horrible. You hear that a lot? No, I say it a lot oh, okay. when I see somebody's kitchen. Said so this is horrible, but you contain it. You have to contain um, it because they're living with it. I guess for I whatever. I know, but reason. sometimes I just can't help it. Like you know, it's it's standard among tradesmen. You say this last guy was horrible. Yeah. It's a standard yeah. refrain. But I mean, you learn that you don't know the whole. There's three stories. You don't know yeah. exactly what was going on there. But these people have been living with this kitchen, so you've seen thousands of kitchens. You. Like, there's some bad stuff out there, man. Yeah, and I, sometimes I just can't help it because I know it's kind of expected. You always have to say the last guy was terrible. It's a standard. What is your least favorite construction word? Perfect. 
What turns you on in construction? A happy customer. What turns you off? Grumpy people. Chip on the shoulder. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? I don't generally curse as part of my... If you don't swear, you word. don't swear. This has been a clean show. We get them occasionally. <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? The new Ford Maverick, if you can get your hands on one. The SUV? No, pickup. The new mini pickup. In hybrid version. Can't get one. Can't, when did they launch that? Uh, they launched it in November, but there are none in Canada yet. The U.S. has them? They're just coming out. But I think because of the chip shortage, like they introduced it, I don't think they're producing them as the hybrid front-wheel drive version only. Got it. And I'm also hearing that there's going to be a shortage of batteries soon, too. Because yeah, so I don't know materials. why they're not coming out with it. I ordered one, and I just got a refund after six months. Say so it's not coming. Do you think they're doing this just for supply and demand and just to um, increase the price? I mean, I think, I think they truly... I, no, I think they truly don't have enough parts, but every vehicle that they're putting out there, putting the luxury vehicle on the lot. Yeah, that's what I'm so noticing. The $80, vehicle. Yes. So the $80,000 vehicle. Yes. Because their sales are actually not that far down, but I think they're, they're, they're going to end up training us that do not expect ever to be able to buy off the lot anymore. They're, gonna try, they're trying to train you now to order, factory wow. order. What is your least favorite vehicle? F-150. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? Sawing wood. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Um, impact. Impact drill. It's loud, huh? It's the older we get, those sounds, man. For indoors. It's yeah, terrible for indoors. it's terrible. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day, Paul? I'd say plumber. Plumber? Yeah. What's the fascination with plumbing? I like it that I think of all the trades, I think it's the best. Because you can easily start your own business yep. for service. You don't need a lot of tools. And you very rarely climb on ladders. And ladders are too dangerous. Yeah. Even small ones. Because yeah. if you um, fall off a ladder only 1% of the time, like 0.1% of the time, 1 out of 1,000, in a month you've climbed up a ladder 1,000 times. That That's means true. you fall off once a month. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Electrician. I don't like ladders. <laughs> and they always use ladders Always uh, Last question If heaven exists What would you like to hear God say When you arrive at the pearly gates That's tricky Never thought about that <laughs> You have a lot of happy customers <laughs> Just say we have a lot of happy customers you of, You've had a lot of happy customers That's nice man That's nice Paul this has been great Thank you so much for being on the show Really appreciate your insight I'm glad that Jeremy connected us And I know you guys feed each other work all the time when he's got situations where you come in and then I guess if he has uh, the skills. He also has a downtown shop, like yeah. a space I use. Yeah, vacation. I know. I was it's really great. impressed with the hub, right, that he's created yeah. there, which is really good. And I sometimes I stop just to use his shop, just as a space, like a yeah. uh, roof over my head so I can work. I want to stop by. He's asked me to come by. Yeah, I want to take really a good. look at it. It's very, and very cool. And he's really good. Really yeah. good. Really good skill. But you guys are far and few, man. Like I, I, I know there's another guy, Handyman, and I can't remember what state, what city. He's in the U.S., and he actually sent me a few messages saying, this is really good that you're doing these you kinds of shows. You can find... The, the problem with Handyman in, in general is that our original Handyman were from Poland, Hungary, Hungary yeah. Romania. They came from former countries that were communist. And when you came from one of those countries like that, if you didn't do it yourself... Nobody was going to come and help you. No. You had to do it all yourself with what you could find. If you couldn't find caulking, you used anything that came in a caulking tube. It didn't matter. But you <laughs> knew you could fix it because you <laughs> so had to. True. We don't have those people anymore. Yeah. Even people coming from those countries now are highly trained, like they're properly trained, better than us. 
And so, you know, they came from that school, cabinet makers from Hungary, they're just as good, they're better than we are. So you don't have that guy who had to do everything himself. And that's why I think there's no more handyman. They're all old. And also, we were not as demanding before. Things, were, things could be fixed. So the things now can't be fixed. Things are too complicated now. And you can't get the replacement parts. Yeah. Because they, you know, for the things from China, they weren't made to be fixed. So you can't, the wheels for one track is different than the wheels for another track, for yeah. sliding doors, for yeah. windows. You can't buy replacement parts. It's funny how it's, it's just changing so quickly. Like, I bet you any money this summer, I am not going to hear that bell of the skate, of the sharpening guy traveling around the city anymore. Like, there's no such thing as payphones anymore. Everything is just changing way too quickly. But I think even the sharpening guy, we want a better job than what he could do. Yeah. And we Someone need, needs to evolve that. Yeah, like we need a better professional for each of those things. I've always said that the, the, the food trucks for construction sites, they're archaic, man. Like the food that's in there they, is Do bad. they still exist? They still exist. They surprisingly. still have like Sloppy Joe sandwich? Yeah, they're still there. Uh, like, like burnt out, crusty buns or whatever but the thing is that needs to evolve there's lots of things i didn't even know they still exist they still exist man i've seen them before they still come along they go all the warehouse locations so there's opportunity man there's opportunity to to evolve and make it better is what it is so paul thank you very much again everybody check them out www.kitchenfix.ca and paul at kitchenfix.ca and find them on google easy enough thanks paul thanks a lot